Orchard Radio begins in three, two, one. God told me to tell you this. That's paganism. Do you really expect and anticipate that the divine voice of God can be heard by you? That's horoscope reading. Standing in the office of the prophet of God. That's reading tea leaves. You can't have a relationship to God if you can't hear God. That is not biblical Christianity. You want to hear God speak to you? Read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. I promise you, 100% guaranteed, you will hear him speak. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No, I am not being lazy. Am I, Jimmy? Mm-hmm. This, is, <laughs> this is Wretched Radio, Dr. Greg Gifford's new podcast, Transform. No wonder why thousands of people are subscribing and listening every week. And it is so fine and so helpful when it comes to Ford Trucks. That's right. Ford has a brand new commercial out. It's the Ford F-150 Raptor. It's driving through the desert, getting dirty like men do in their trucks. It runs through a wash to reveal it's painted like a rainbow. See what they did there? It was a switcheroo because typically our society equates a Ford F-150 with being masculine. And perhaps rightly so. However, how do you know? A truck can't be gay like Ford is now trying to tell us. A Ford can't be sensitive and tender, and it can't really be masculine either. So how do we know what a truck is? You have to have a, a source and a foundation. And it is not physicality that makes something masculine per se. Of course, there are masculine attributes, our genetic makeup, Testosterone versus estrogen, the depth of voice, hair, strength, the way that we're made. But we have to be careful with that category, too, because does being able to lift 250 versus 225 on the bench make you more of a man? No. Well, how do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. The Bible makes it clear there are genetic differences. We see that in the creation account in Genesis. Furthermore, we see those definitions expressed all throughout the Old and New Testaments. Furthermore, you have roles in the home where the man is the provider protector. The woman is the nurturing one, the tender one, the isha, the soft one. But we see more than that. We see the Bible defining for men what it means to actually be masculine. And it is that definition, it is that understanding that we must have firmly fixed in our brains. Otherwise, we're actually going to be confused about a Ford truck commercial. Uh, Okay, so now gay guys can drive trucks too. What are they tacitly acknowledging that historically... That particular demographic has been seen as being softer, not the truck driving type. But see, it's a new kind of tough. The only way that you and I are going to sort through this social landmine of what it means to be masculine and feminine is if we have a biblical definition for what it means. We've got to start there and then we can work out physical and social expressions. And where it gets a little bit dicey in the social expressions is that 
sometimes society kind of has it right. Sometimes they kind of have it wrong. Sometimes it's kind of neutral and we just fit in because that's what we do around here. We must know what the Bible teaches us about masculinity. Otherwise, we're, we are going to, f- we're seeing it, aren't we? Young men who are, they're just confused. And quite honestly, you can't blame them. The, 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 the culture is throwing one curveball after the other. So let us go. I don't think I'm being lazy by playing an extended snippet from Dr. Greg Gifford's Transform podcast, which you can subscribe to wherever you do your thing with the earbuds and listening to stuff, because he's going to help us now make our way through a surprising attribute of masculinity. Because isn't this funny? Culture is telling us, hey, men are toxic. They need to be softer gentler, more emotive. And we hear that and we go, well, the reality is an attribute of being male is gentleness. Not kidding. Jesus said it about himself. Now, if we do not understand how the Bible defines gentleness, we'll fall prey to society's definition of just being soft and passive. No, just just be very feminine, if you will. But that's not what gentleness means. Again, this is why we need to focus on what the Bible says about masculinity. Take it away, Greg. That is gentleness. Gentleness. Now, let me recap. Here's what I've said so far. A man is courageous. Number one, if a man is cowardly, he's acting unmanly. A man should be pure. He should treat his sisters in Christ in all purity, 1 Timothy 5. A man should be honorable to women. That's the third, to act in a way that corresponds to the relationship he has with that woman as a mom, as a sister, as a wife, as a daughter in Christ. A man is to act honorably to women. Fourth, a man is to be proactive. A lazy, idle, passive man is unmanly. And perhaps that's the sin of the garden that Adam was not leading in an active and loving and vigilant way, but Adam was in fact passive. And as a result of that, he sinned against the Lord and the fall of sin entered into the human race. Today, I'm going to talk about gentleness. So if you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, open it up to Galatians chapter 5. Some of you might be wondering, wait a minute, that's the fruit of the spirit. That's not what it means to be a man. Yeah, great. Let's start there and then I'll answer that question. Verse 22 of Galatians 5 says, The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You you see the list here. This is true of any Christian, male or female, that when the Spirit of God is working in you, he produces this fruit. And the various aspects of this fruit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Distinctive to being a Christian is that you would be a person who's marked by gentleness or a synonym, which is meekness. It's this sobriety, This it's connected to humility. James even says in the humility 
and uses meekness, the humility of meekness, the meekness of humility in James chapter 3, verse 17 and following. So we have gentleness as something that's correspondent to being a Christian, and that's what the Spirit of God produces in you. Let me say it in a way that is contradictory to this. If I'm a harsh individual, I lack gentleness, then I'm acting in a way that does not reflect God's Spirit is working in my life. Harshness is not indicative of God working in your life. Have you ever thought about that? You're short, you're rude, you're unkind, you're harsh and abrasive with those that are around you. It's not reflective of God's Spirit working. In fact, Jesus himself says in an offer of salvation, Matthew 11, he says that he is gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus identifies himself as being meek or gentle. Gentleness is something that all Christians should possess, but what may surprise you is that Paul is going to tease that out further specifically for men. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to go to Ephesians 6, and then I want to go to Colossians chapter 4. Ephesians 6 verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Some of you are like, oh, don't remind me of that. My parents made me write that out when I got in trouble. Now quote it back to us, sweetie. Is that wrong to Honor do? Honor your father huh? and mother. <laughs> yes. All of us with children have used this passage. Now look at verse four. This is addressed directly to men who are dads. Fathers, you have to be a male to be a father. Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Something that a male who is a father is called to do distinctively is not provoke his children to being mad. Do not be an exasperating father. Do not be a harsh father. Do not be an antagonizing father. Men who are dads who are listening to this show, remember that God has called you to be a dad who is gentle and patient with your kids. Now, you may say, well, that's not exactly gentleness. Okay, all right. I'll play ball. Let's go to Colossians. I said chapter four earlier, but it's actually at the end of chapter three. Verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. What's the next part say in verse 19? And do not be harsh with them. Oofta. Being masculine does not give license to being overbearing, nasty, and mean. Those are false expressions of masculinity. Instead, the Christian man is gentle. Does that mean he totally lacks strength? He's a wimp. He's a passive sissy. No. And this is a reminder why we need the Bible to help us define what it means to be male. Because Ford and the culture ain't doing such a good job. We'll continue to let Dr. Greg Gifford help us do just that next on Wretched Radio. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother 
who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. Thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, we couldn't do this, any of this, without our gospel partners. Take Seth, for instance. He recently wrote in to say, hey, all of you there at Wretched are amazing. The resources you put out are extremely edifying, and they've helped me tremendously in my walk with Christ. Don't know about the amazing part. I'll leave that up to you to decide. But hey, we may not be the Kardashians of the Christian media world, but we are ECFA approved, which means we're being audited annually to make sure we're not spending God's money on solid gold micro phones or fancy private jets. No, no, no. 83% of every dollar you donate goes directly to ministry. The other 17%, well, that's for coffee and donuts because, you know, that's what we actually run on around here. I'm just kidding. But hey, your support is helping us to stand firm in our effort to reach millions all over the world with a life-changing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Tertullian was a well-trained Greco-Roman philosopher. When he converted to Christianity, he used his great learning to vigorously defend Christianity. Tertullian rejected secular philosophy and is famously quoted as saying, What hath Athens to do with Jerusalem? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This might sting a little bit. Dude, this is Wretched Radio. You're about to hear mostly uninterrupted Dr. Greg Gifford from his Amazing Transform podcast. You really should be downloading it every week. Become a subscriber wherever you do your podcasting business. Dealing with the subject of masculinity, and we need it. We must let the Bible define what it means to be masculine. Otherwise, we will indeed, in this current climate, we will be tossed to and fro with what it means to be a man. Dr. Gifford, a rather surprising attribute, gentleness. Please note that doesn't mean sissified. 
in the army and in the military in general, there was this attitude that slowly started to rub off on me. It was a gruffness. You guys that work in like first responder fields, police, sheriff, fire, those of you that are military or paramilitary organizations, and some of you that are in just like a contracting construction business, masonry, electrical, plumbing, those types of things, sometimes you're in a very gruff environment all day. What I found is that when I was doing my four years of active duty service in the best military in the world, aka the United States Army, all right. I was being rubbed off on by dudes who were gruff dudes. And over time, it just started to become like the atmosphere of how we lived. Like we would just have this drill sergeant mentality of, hey, suck it up. Like too bad. Quit complaining. Get over it. That type of gruffness was actually dangerous for my soul and dangerous for my marriage. Because then what began to happen is it didn't just stay at work. I would come home and bring a gruff attitude to my wife. Now think of this. The Bible calls me to nourish and cherish my wife, not be gruff and harsh toward her. One of the things that we have to be realistic about men is if we're not careful, we are surrounded by environments that are gruff and harsh. You're working on the police force. The guys that you're serving with on the police force are not gentle men. They're not gentle dudes. They're gruff. They're harsh, like this dog eat dog world. And so you start to learn how to interact in that world. But you got to be very careful in that world that you don't start to pick up the character traits of harshness or the character traits of gruffness. In that world, I had to go through a detox period of sorts whenever I got out. When I got out of the United States Army as a 26-year-old, one of the things that I had to do is to normalize because I began to think something like, these civilians are all lazy. Everybody should be up at 5.30 morning running. Why wouldn't you? Come on. So what? It was hard for me. Why is it not hard for you? That harshness will, it will basically contaminate all of your life. One of the things that you as men who are listening and ladies, as you're listening of those who are men that are close to you, we have to be intentional as a man to cultivate gentleness. Some of us deviate to harshness by nature or we're in harshness from eight to five every day. And when we come out of that, there has to be a detox period where we say, I am not treating my wife like my soldier. My wife's name is Amber. And one time she said to me, Greg, I'm not one of your soldiers. Oof. And I thought, oh man, what did I just say? She's right. She's not one of my soldiers. I have no right to be unkind, harsh to anyone, including and especially my wife. So when we are detoxing practically, men, that means that you're aware the environment in, that you're in is rough. And when you're leaving that environment, you are intentionally saying, I got to step up my gentleness game when I get home and I am not going to be gruff with my kids, harsh to my wife, gruff with my friends and cultivate this environment of just gruffness. That's unmanly of me. Doesn't that feel weird? It feels weird to be in an army environment and be with a group of strong men and then say it's unmanly of me to be harsh toward anyone, especially those that are friends, family, wife, kids. So I need to detox. I got to be aware of that. And as I'm aware of that, I would encourage some of you men to begin to meditate on the aspects of how Jesus reveals himself as being gentle. Isn't it interesting in Matthew 11, around verse 28, that Jesus identifies his own heart as being gentle? It's not different from God the Father. He identifies himself as being compassionate and slow to anger. Compassion and gentleness are not the same thing, but they are related to each other. When Jesus says he's gentle, how dare we say we're going to be harsh? Jesus got it wrong. Jesus is the ultimate man. He is the ultimate man. He's the ultimate man's man. 
And he claims that he is gentle. For some of us as men, we need to meditate on the gentleness of Christ. We need to observe the way that he washed the feet of his disciples. And say, you guys are gross, man. Suck it up. Wash your own feet. Nasty. That's not what Jesus said. He took on the form of a servant in gentleness and lowliness and did the dirty job. There are multiple times throughout the Gospels where you're going to see the gentleness of Christ demonstrated. So much so that Paul uses the love that Christ has for the church as an example for men who are married to emulate. Men, when you're going through that detox period of coming out of a harsh environment, you need to begin to meditate on the glory of Jesus's gentleness and let that begin to transform you. Secondarily, let me give you practical ways outside of meditating on Jesus's gentleness as revealed in the gospel. Number one, your communication. Oh, baby. Hey, the man that controls his tongue is a perfect man, James says. It's hard. This little tongue of mine is a tongue that can start a forest fire, James chapter three. I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. If I let her rip with my communication, then I can burn some stuff down and so can you. So here is the reality. Men, one of the places we are the most gruff, the things that we say and the ways that we say them, we as men have to practically work on our tone of voice. And if you think you're not yelling and those around you think you are yelling, newsflash to you, you are yelling and your tone is too loud. You can say accurate things in a loud way that's hurtful and harsh. If you yell at your children, yell at your wife, the reality is that you are a man who is lacking gentleness in your communication. How can you as a man cultivate gentle communication? When your kid comes up to you and does something that bothers you, legitimately bothers you, how are you going to respond in a gentle way? Because that's what God and Christ calls you to do. Men who are single, when you have a customer at work that is annoying you, antagonizing you, wanting to talk to your manager and making your day more difficult, in that moment, you as a man are going to have to practice gentle words. Our communication is one of the most direct places that we struggle with being men who are gentle. Your communication, what you say, obviously we're not using curse words. Obviously we're not using derogatory, corrupting communication, Ephesians 4.29. Obviously we're not doing that. That's blatantly unbiblical. But furthermore, we're never going to raise our voice out of anger. We're not going to, to overpower people in our communication. We're not going to be harsh. We're not going to be snippety. We're going to exude gentleness in our communication. So we detox, we meditate on the glory of Jesus Christ. We work on our communication. Lastly, we work on our demeanor. All right, hear me out on this. What do I mean by demeanor? Sometimes harsh men actually have a very intimidating presence, almost as if they're ready to be physically violent. If you're not careful as a man, your demeanor exudes harshness. You get a stern look in your eye. The vein in your forehead is pulsating and now your shoulders square up and you face person. You face a person in a way that's intimidating. Your demeanor is harsh. You need to think about the way that you're communicating yourself right now. You know, we are not Bruce Lee about to get ready into some karate match with somebody that we're upset with. You need to see that in your body posture, your demeanor, your eyes, the stance that you possess, are you standing over someone? Are you towering? Are you leaning into them? Are you wagging your finger at them? That's your demeanor. Men, you need to practice a demeanor that is gentle. To have a gentle demeanor means it doesn't look like I'm about to go Bruce Lee on somebody and karate chop something. Maybe I need to actually sit down for a second. Maybe I need to get my hands out of their face. 
Maybe I need to not stare into their soul as we're talking about this, as if I'm grimacing at them. All of that's harshness. And that harshness is antithetical to a biblical manhood that should be gentle. So men who are harsh in their demeanor are men that need to grow in gentleness in their demeanor. How you doing, sir? Dr. Greg Gifford, his Transform podcast. It is transformative is what it is, encouraging you to become a subscriber so that you can download this biblical wisdom on a weekly basis. And we need this now, don't we? I don't know how many lectures he's going to do on biblical masculinity, but we need this because even as he was going about the business of talking about the masculine attribute of gentleness, I could hear some guys say, hey, Jesus sometimes was stern. Yes. But that is how he spoke in the moment to address the need. Hey, sometimes he tipped over tables. Yes, he did. Because that was the need of the moment. And he used his physicality to show and to demonstrate how wicked their behavior was. But that doesn't mean he wasn't simultaneously gentle at heart. This is why we need to understand that there are cultural expressions of masculinity. There are physical expressions of masculinity, but it all must be guided by what it means to be biblically masculine. Because if you don't, you're going to be driving in a Ford F-150 that's painted like a rainbow because that's the new toughness. And you're going to adopt some physical attributes that you think make you a man when indeed they don't. What makes you a man? is what God says is a man. We will discuss what that looks like practically next on Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we start with Target, which has launched a clothing line labeled Trans Pride for young children. Oh, wait, but that's not all. The designer behind this clothing line is actually an avowed Satanist. Oh, well, if you're interested, you better get to Target now and get them while they're hot. <laughs> See what I, I did there? Never, you guys don't let me have any fun. Well, it seems like there's yet another absurd, ridiculous, crazy upside down. I can't think of any more adjectives, but that's what this argument that I recently read in this article is. Waking up early is apparently rooted in white supremacy. Yeah, apparently there's now a racial component to what time one wakes up in the morning. The theory behind the claim made in the article is that because many successful people wake up early, regardless of their race, getting up early somehow perpetuates whiteness and reinforces some kind of supposed systemic oppression against minorities. I, I don't know. I really wish somebody would have told me this before I spent 20 years doing morning radio. That would have been nice to know. <laughs> but while that's not really racism, this is. The University of Minnesota has had a civil rights complaint filed against them because they have restricted white students from participating in a research program called Multicultural Student Research. Apparently, being multicultural is now synonymous with not being white. But I'm not finished with the weird and racist. A woke therapist, if you can call her that, recently claimed that wokeness is the only true spiritual path for white people. 
I don't know how spiritual this lady is, but woke, yeah, she's got the social justice nonsense figured out, or at least she says so. Well, in the world of amateur athletics, a high school track star is voicing her disappointment after she was ousted from the championship by, you guessed it, a boy. But it's progressive, right? Yeah, it's progressive in the same way that you could say removing your legs as a new approach to running is progressive. An NAACP leader has deemed Florida as unsafe for black Americans. And that's interesting because it's coming from a man who, as it turns out, lives in Florida. <laughs> but he must live in one of those homes with invisible safety. Oh, goodness. Now, two Christians ages 18 and 14 are facing blasphemy charges in Pakistan. Apparently, they posted an allegedly offensive TikTok video that's gone viral. The details of the video were not released in the article I read, at least. However, if convicted under Pakistan's blasphemy laws, they could get the death penalty. Let's be praying for these two young men and all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Know your reformers. Martin Luther was a German monk and professor who was plagued with doubt about his salvation. When he finally read the Bible for himself, he rediscovered the doctrine of justification by grace through faith. His bold witness for biblical truth was the spark that ignited the Protestant Reformation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Thank you very much, Ford F-150, for the clarification. This is Wretched Radio, Ford F-150. Tough music, tough terrain, tough-looking vehicle. It gets dirty. Then it gets washed to reveal it's painted like a rainbow. See what they did there? They decided to take something that historically we've understood is a cultural expression of masculinity. A Ford F-150 and said, no, gay people can drive Ford F-150s too. Are they right? Well, sure they are. Because a Ford F-150 is really a socially constructed definition of what it means to be masculine. Now, it gets messy, things tend to, because I would agree with you, a Ford F-150 is more masculine, say, than a Volkswagen Beetle. You say, well, how do you make that determination? It just looks that way. It just, it feels tougher. Besides, you aren't going to pull a tree stump out of the ground in a bug. You're going to do it with your Ford F-150. See? So there's some truth to that, and yet Ford is willing to stir the pot and cause a great deal of societal confusion to redefine what it means to be tough, because historically we've understood that being gay, which is what the rainbow sign represents, isn't tough. It's softer. Now. You want to get even trickier? This, this, what it means to be male, it, it, it is physical, it is biblical to be certain, and it is to a degree societal. So how does a young man figure this out? Let's see if we can take what we heard Dr. Greg Gifford teaching about in his Transform podcast. You really do need to subscribe to it that these three categories of masculinity 
there's going to be what appears to be overlap and confusion if we don't firmly define how our maker says this is what it means to be masculine. So he's been giving attributes like a man is typically courageous. Doesn't mean women aren't, but men have that more. That's our role. We are called to that. You say, well, why, why, why does that have to be a masculine thing? Because God says so. We are to be a proactive gender. We're, we're to be getting it done. We're, we're to reach for it. Now, this has so many applications. I, this, this application happened in my house. I'm sitting on the back deck. No mosquitoes yet. It's a, it felt like a Minnesota day in Atlanta. And Mrs. Freel, she came out just for a moment. And I honestly, I don't even remember what it was. But I said, oh, I'll deal with that. And she left. And I sat there and thought about Greg Gifford and that men are proactive. Just get it done. Don't don't later it when you get sleepy or distracted or you forget and then your spouse is a bit disappointed. Just get up and do it. But for it's not just inside of the home. It's with your career. Young man, young lady, grab it. We're, we're to be proactive people. Now, especially men are to be the ones who see that there is an opportunity for advancement and the betterment for family and the ability to give financially to kingdom growth. I'm getting that. I'm doing that. And as long as I brought up the subject, I'm just going to read this. If you're a Gen Zer, we did a video about a week ago. It tanked <laughs> because there was a big study that came out from some business thing. They surveyed a lot of people who have been hiring Gen Zers and then firing them because they're driving them nuts. And they basically said that Gen Z is the worst generation to deal with. Now, how much of that is true? Well, obviously, every person is different, but it does indeed seem to be a tendency. This is from a guy I'll just tell you what it is. He is a teacher at the Heritage Foundation Simon Center for American Studies. And it looks like he was a teacher. And this is what he said about your generation if you're Gen Z. Now, remember, I'm just reading this. So hang in there. And this doesn't necessarily mean you. But this does seem to be a stereotype that accurately defines a good sector of this particular generation. First, a little sarcasm. Who would have guessed that a culture that abhors character development, celebrates mediocrity, and encourages screen addiction from an early age would produce a generation of incompetent young adults who can function in the workplace? Yeah, we're, we're reaping what we're sowing. Who could believe that indoctrinating them with identity politics would make them overly sensitive and impossible to work with? This man is speaking from experience. I grant you it's subjective, but nevertheless, let's let's listen to him because there's an upside for you if you're a young man who is a Gen Zer. Just endure this for a bit. How is it possible so many people who grew up in broken homes, never had a father, lost their innocence at an early age, had poor mental health and never practiced religion could be so moody, flaky and inconsistent? Now, that is a pretty commonly held stereotype of the Gen Z generation. But now listen to what he says. And if you grew up in a Christian home 
And if even as I speak, you have a cell phone attached to an appendage, probably your left hand so you can scroll faster and type faster with your right, he writes this, even the best and brightest of them seem to fall prey to forces around them, be it the smartphone, social media, negligent parenting, radical propaganda, or the constant infantilizing influence of overindulgent parents and teachers, and a society that tells you, don't get old, don't get mature, be young and dopey. That's the message, and everybody gets affected by it. We all do. So does my generation. So does your generation. We all do. And that's precisely the point. Now, if you happen to be a Zoomer, you might be lacking some of the gumption that has accompanied most other generations. Being proactive. Get her done. Is there an opportunity for a raise? I'm going for it. Could I get promoted? I am on this. And it even means looking to another career in order to accomplish more because a Christian is proactive. Let me finish this article because I know it's a little painful if you're a Gen Zer, but glean from it. You, even if you grew up in a Christian home and you heard sermons by John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul, you had the Christian radio on all day. You're getting influences elsewhere, and they are getting into you. You need to understand that, and it is true for my generation, too. Nobody is immune to this. While Zoomers enjoy the most material comfort of any generation, they are spiritually and psychologically impoverished. All the fundamental components of a happy life, friendship, family, civic, community, tradition, beauty, are largely absent from their lives. In their place is the smartphone and what's on it. Each year, with my classes of sophomores and juniors, I encounter the same annoying attitudes from them as today's employers are encountering. I used to take it personally and blame the kids for being abnormally rude and immature, but then I realized that so much of this wasn't their fault. They've been largely raised to regard their phones as a natural extension of their hands. And so it is, this fellow identifies what many people are recognizing in a particular demographic and generation, the Gen Zers. You've got some stuff. Now, is it generational? Is that all it is? My generation says, go for the brass ring. Now, it is entirely possible there was too much emphasis on that. I will grant you that. On the other hand, it seems that your generation has far less emphasis on that. So who's right? Who's got it nailed? Remembering that there are varying shades of this, nevertheless, it is God who decides, no, Christian man, get her done. Go for it. Get up and do it. Don't be deterred. Don't be scared. Be courageous, which is another attribute that the Bible says is a masculine attribute. Be pure. Honor women, hold the door, stand up when they leave the table, pull out the chair. It's just a sign that you are a man who has strength, but it's under control. That's the very definition of gentleness, which is another attribute of being male. Now, here's what we've got. I think, I think we have two categories that guide 
how we understand biblical definition of masculinity, physical attributes of masculinity, and socially constructed norms of masculinity. I think there are you can put almost everything. I don't know if it's everything because I can't think of everything, but almost everything into these two categories. Freel, what are they? It is who you are and it is what you do, who you are and how you express it. And if you and I can determine this is who we are to be, we understand the physical distinctions. We've got a beat on how society demands what is masculine. Then we can express ourselves the way God defines it. We will endeavor to do just that next on Wretched Radio. So you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault. But we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz. And they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2. Tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Titles of Christ. 
In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Advocate. When we as God's redeemed people sin, Jesus is our Advocate before the Father. It is on the basis of Christ's righteousness that we are saved, not our own works. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Don't worry, I don't mind poking myself in my own eyes. This is Wretched Radio. How does a young man know what it means to be masculine? Uh, the Bible defines it, period. Then we consider the physical differences and how my character is defined by the Bible will express itself physically and... My Bible definition of what it means to be male will help me to understand if I should adopt a cultural expression of masculinity or not. And those things can be shifting, and that's why this can be a bit tricky. But permit me, it's okay, I'll take the bullet on this one. You ever go to the gym and you see that guy who is like, dude, <laughs> you juicing? I mean, he is massive. What do you think about that? Now, we know typically that having muscle mass is more of a masculine thing. When you see a woman with a lot of muscles, it does indeed look not normative physically. So here's a question for you. Is that guy with a lot of muscles more masculine than, say, Jimmy? What? The, well, you didn't? <laughs> I'm hey, I'm playing the muscle guy. Didn't didn't I didn't I reveal that yet? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm the I'm the bulky guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> at some point you look at a guy who's really super muscular and you start asking some questions. Hopefully you do. You ask, well, what do you need them their muscles for? Is it your job? Because you you can get stronger from doing a physical job. But we see a guy who just spends an inordinate amount of time in the gym and we cross a line and say, well, that ain't masculine. That's kind of vain. Huh? You don't need that. You're clearly doing it to draw attention to yourself. Now, how can we sort through that and determine how much muscle mass you're supposed to have? Because that is a physical attribute of being male. Whiskers, body hair. Smell, speed, stamina. Those are typically physical attributes of being male. Now, I would think, I hope we would have agreement on this. If you were in the locker room next to a guy after practice who was super stinky, nobody in the locker room is going to go, dude, you are like so masculine. I can't, I can't believe what a mensch you are because you really stink so bad. Okay, why? Well, because we know that being smelly, yeah, men tend to smell worse than girls do. No, men always smell worse than girls do, but that sort of expression of a masculine attribute ain't good. How do you know that? Well, some of it is just some common sense, but the principle that underlies it is that physical expressions of masculinity need to be determined elsewhere. And it certainly can't be society, because historically, society has said the dude with the massive muscles is more of a man than the wimpy guy, the guy at the beach who kicks sand into the face of the wimp. And see, that, that's, he's the tough guy. 
Yeah, there's the sissy guy. Now, could the less muscular guy be a sissy? Yes. Yes, he could. But so could the muscle-bound dude. He could be a sissy, too. What's a sissy? That is why we need something else to define for us what it means to be masculine. And that has to be the Bible, which tells us we're proactive, we're courageous, we're pure. We honor women. We are gentle. We love. We nurture. We protect. We defend. Those are all of the attributes that a man is supposed to possess. Then we express them the way that God has made us and the zip code in which he has placed us. And we look around and we ask society, so what does it mean to be a man in this nation? And we conform and stay inside of those lines that society has drawn, as long as, of course, it doesn't overrule a biblical attribute. And so it is my thinking that if you put masculinity into two columns, who you are and what you do, you're going to be able to sort it. So here's who you are. You are Christ-like. You exude love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and strength and courage, boldness. You're proactive. You honor the fairer sex. You are willing to take a bullet if necessary. You will help a stranger. Now, Let's talk about what you do. There are all kinds of things you do. What kind of vehicle do you drive? How do you, how, dude, how do you pick a car? Well, you'd say, well, there are just certain vehicles that look, you know, a little bit more appropriate for being male or not. Okay. Well, that's something you do. But to think that a man who drives a Ford F-150 is more of a man than the guy who does drive the Volkswagen Bug is not biblical. He just maybe didn't make a good decision based on cultural norms, might get his ribs poked a little bit from his buddies, but that's not what makes him a man. What about what you wear? Does that make you a man? Because, dude, you, you could put on any sort of clothing and it's not going to change who you are. Now, we look at culture and we see, okay, we don't wear skirts and dresses and the short shorts that teenage girls wear all the time, and they shouldn't be wearing them either. But I digress. What you wear doesn't make you a We look at the culture. This is kind of how a guy dresses. I'm going to stay within those lines. And that means when you come home, even if it were a great deal at the discount store, you probably don't wear that pink shirt. Because, well, that's just, you know, kind of, yeah, you know, you say, well, that doesn't mean that a guy, I agree with you. But society says typically that particular color is more feminine. What about what you eat? That's something you do. Is eating a steak more masculine than eating lobster bisque? I don't know. I'm just, I, can you think of a dainty sort of, um. Uh, crepes. Quiche. Quiche. Real men eat quiche. All right. Who decided that quiche is a feminine sissy food? It's eggs whipped up in a pie. We eat pie. That's true. I, I, who does culture decides that? 
And you're no more masculine if you eat red meat. And wow, I got to tell you, that sous vide business, boiling the meat in the water, ah, ah, with the seasoned f- salt from Costco, that's good eating. But it's not masculine eating. Women can eat steak. If a woman eats a piece of red meat, does that mean suddenly she's a guy? No. It doesn't mean you're a girl if you eat quiche. I look at the cultural norms, and I probably do want to avoid the quiche because it has a stereotype that says this is kind of the ladies' brunch food. But that doesn't make you more masculine or feminine. Your manners. Now, that one gets a little bit dicey, but, you you know, ah, 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 you just shovel it in. Does that make you a man? Chew with your mouth open? No, it actually makes you pretty obnoxious and rude. And you're not being thoughtful and considerate, which are biblical attributes of masculinity. Now, that doesn't mean you maybe want to put your pinky up. But what if you travel to a country and the men put their pinkies up when they drank their afternoon tea and the women didn't? Uh, well, I guess I'd put my pinky up, girl. You go, well, no, that's what culture decides. Exactly. All of the things that you do do not necessarily make you more masculine. It is who you are. And then slotting yourself into a lane inside of the social definition that is generally accepted, unless, of course, it's sinful. Now, right now, we've got a society who is saying that men should wear dresses. Well, I would say no. Just like, and I've said this before, I'm on the record for this, when Katherine Hepburn was wearing pants back in the 20s, she shouldn't have been doing that. Why? Because you wore pants. That's what men wear. Women don't wear pants. And so she was breaking a cultural norm. She wasn't fitting in. Now, today, if a woman wears pants, I say no problem. Why? Because culture has decided it's fine. It doesn't make you less feminine to wear pants. It's a culturally defined expression. What you do, what you put on your body, the way you get your hair cut. Uh, These are your fingernails, your fingernails. All right. Why are long fingernails more feminine than clipped nails? Why? What if you went to a culture where it's like, no, the guys did that for whatever reason, for using them as tools to dig or they did some sort of intricate factory work that demanded them. And that's what guys have, long fingernails. You go, I guess I'm going to have long fingernails, but not here. Why? Because society has norms. We fit in, but those things do not make us genuinely masculine. There is only one thing that makes you masculine. You say, well, what about physical? I said, well, yes, physical things definitely make you masculine or feminine, but I'm talking about expressions, physical expressions. We must be informed by the Bible. So if you're a young man trying to become a godly man, study Jesus. Study what it means to be godly, and you will be rightly masculine. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.